0: You guys believe that this morning, that the power, the greatest power that there is, is in the name of Jesus. We believe that here at Northridge. And I I hope and pray that you do. And if you don't, I hope and pray that you find that that is the truth, because that is everything that we are about here. Uh, It is, uh, I don't always say this and, and talk about this maybe enough, but has nothing to do with the music, has nothing to do with me speaking, has nothing to do with whether or not we're in the Village Center or whether or not it's a Sunday day or it's a good day, whether our life is good or bad at the moment, whether things have gone great this week or whether things are really bad that week or whatever, somewhere in between, just normal week. The name of Jesus, the power of God is greater than anything we can describe. And I'm so thankful for it. And I hope that you are too, uh, because that's what we're all about here at Northridge. Um, We really, really are. We're all about God. We're all about Jesus more than anything else. And that's how it's always going to be. So are you glad to be here this morning? Amen. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, I'm so glad that you're here. We want you to know that you're welcome. And we're excited that you're here. Um, And we also want you to know that this is a safe place for you. A safe place for you to discover what I was just talking about. The power and the greatness and the joy and the love of Jesus. Uh, because we uh, seek to live it out. We don't always do it perfectly, but we do seek to do it. And so we're glad that you're here. Thanks for checking us out, taking a risk uh, to do that. And if you have questions about who we are, about who God is, about what the Bible means or what, anything else, why are you in a village center, it's weird, you know, whatever the case is, you can ask us. We're glad to answer that question as best we can. So we're in a series called God's Fingerprints. So we're in the second week of this series. And very simply, this series we are taking a look, we're talking about how God is all around us, how his fingerprints are on everything around us. Our heart, our, our, the universe, the earth, the planet, the, the, the solar system, uh, our DNA, everything. God's fingerprints are all over us, all over us. God's impact and his influence. And so what we're doing is we're taking that reality, and as we talk about that, it, it's going to help us to understand a little bit more, just a little bit, about more who God is and about our relationship with God, about who God is and about our relationship with God, because those two things are really important. Knowing more about who God is and knowing more about how he wants to have a relationship with us. And so that's what this series is all about. And today's topic is math 101. My favorite subject is math totally, you guys know, if you've been here for any length of time, I just lied to you. I can't stand math. I really can't. Now, now, there's nothing, I really don't have anything against math. I just don't like it. It was not something that that I enjoyed. It was something that I had to work at, but, but today what we're going to do, it's just hilarious. God has a sense of humor. You guys know that, right? And so God has me preaching about math and logic and we're going to mix, I had to mix science in because I couldn't handle just math. Uh, and so there's going to be a lot of, you know, science and physics and stuff like that involved. But Just to get us thinking about how cool math is, because the truth is I make fun of it all the time and I tell you I don't like it. And that's all the truth. But but the truth is, I know this, too, that math is actually pretty amazing. It really is how God set it up. It's pretty amazing. So in order to get us to kind of start thinking about math, I want to uh, start with a video, but before we get into the video, I need you guys to interact with this video. Don't worry. You're not going to have to leave your seats. You're not going to have to move around. You're not going to have to dance with it. Some of you are like, oh, I wanted to dance. Some of you are like, thank goodness. (laughs) I wasn't going to do that in public. All right. So but I do need to do something. If you have a smartphone or a calculator, most of our smartphones have calculators. I need everybody to get that out, okay? Get your phone out, get the calculator app ready to go, okay? If you don't have a smartphone with a calculator app, or if you don't have a calculator, sometimes, you know, ladies, you have calculator in your purse. I don't carry a calculator around in my pocket. I don't know. I probably should, considering how I am at math. Um, but if you have that, or if you just want a piece of paper and, and a pen, uh, you're going to have to do some pretty quick math. So you're going to have to—I wasn't able to do this. I had to have a calculator. All right? So however you're going to do it, but I want you to interact with this. So whatever you need to actually multiply and add numbers uh, quickly, all right, <clears throat> to do some simple math. So this video is going to play, and what's going to happen is it's going to give you a set of steps, okay? It's going to tell you. It's actually only five steps. It's actually a short video, okay? And at the end of this video, if you do it correctly, if you add and multiply and everything correctly, okay, then it is going to guess your age. This video is going to tell you your age. Now, don't worry. Whatever it comes out to be on the calculator, I'm not going to have you stand up and tell us all what it is. All right. So we're not going to publicize this. This is just between you and your smartphone or your calculator. Okay. And you and the video. All right. So the video is going to play. There's going to be five steps to it. And it's going to claim that it's going to guess what your age is. All right. So you guys all ready to interact with this. Okay. So uh, the other thing is that you need to know uh, you need to think whether or not you've had your birthday yet this year or not. Okay, you should know that probably. All right. So because there's a question that if you've had your birthday, they're going to have you do something with a number. If you haven't had your birthday, you're going to do a different number. Okay. So just just kind of be ready for that question. All right. Because it threw me off. That was like, uh, wait. Yes, I have had my birthday. Okay. Just just be ready for that. All right. Are you guys ready? All right. So when it tells you to punch in a number or pick a number and all that stuff, just do what it says. Okay. Are we ready? All right, here's the video. It's going to guess your age. Let's see if this works. For you? Isn't that cool? And, and just so you know, if it didn't work, it just means you didn't do it that right. So that's, that's, all, that's all that happened there. So, literally, I mean, if you go through that equation, the first time I did it was like, yes, that was awesome. Like, I knew it was probably going to get it right, right? Otherwise, the video is just dumb, right? And like, well, it totally didn't work. So, but, uh, but it was just hard, and, and I went through it several times with several different scenarios, and you know, every time. If you do that equation, And that math, like it says, 100% of the time, it's going to get it right. 100% of the time. It's never going to mess it up. It's never going to get it wrong. So why is that? Why does it work that way? Well, here's the reason why. It's because God has set certain things up in our universe, certain things in our logic, certain things with numbers and math that are set. They will not change because they were set by an unchanging God. He has set logic and math in such a way that we cannot change it even if we wanted to. So if you try to do that and be like, yeah, I'm going to manipulate, it's always going to be 100% correct every time if you do it right, if you follow the laws. Okay. And so God is this thing. So what, here's, what, here's what we're going to talk about today. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. And we see that in our logic, we see that in math, we see that in science, we see that in the universe. The more scientists and everybody else study this, they realize that the intricacies of even how our bodies are made and how the universe works is so precise that if anything changed, it would just destroy everything. We're realizing how fragile, how precise it has to be. Just like that video worked out because it's precise. There's a law to it. So here, let me just kind of go back to the beginning and talk about this. So if we want to learn about where God set this up, why did God set order into that? Well, God started from the very beginning. Let's go back to the very beginning. You know where the beginning was, right? We have to go all the way back to the beginning, the first book called Genesis. In fact, if you translate the name Genesis, it literally translates to mean beginning or origin, Okay, so we have to go back to the beginning. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1. If you'd like to follow along, jump into there. Okay, Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to find out that God not only creates out of nothing, but he creates order right from the very beginning. He was ordered. He was framed. He was structured from the very beginning when he created everything. So let's read it. These are literally the first five verses of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 1, the first word in the Bible. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. means it had no order, no structure. There's nothing to it. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So God literally... Okay, we kind of get this vision of God like he kind of was, you know, putting the earth together like clay, like we would do with Play-Doh, right? He's like, yeah, that's good, right? Make a couple mountains, you know, kind of like we would do it if we were kids, right? And kind of do that. God doesn't do that. God speaks it and says, go. Well, I think he said, you know, light or whatever, but he just says the word and just, and it happens. God uses his words somehow. We don't know how it works. To create light, to create order. He speaks the laws into existence. In fact, let's go a little bit further. Jump down to verses 14 through 18. This is what he says. Then God said, this is, he's just continuing on in creation. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Interesting, that's how we do it, isn't it? We use the universe, we use the stars to mark these things. It's because God set it up that way. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day. We call it the sun and the smaller one to govern the night, the moon. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night and separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So what's going on here? What's going on here? God is speaking this stuff into existence. So literally, he is creating something out of nothing. He's creating something with his words out of nothing. But there's a second thing that's going on there. And sometimes we miss this. Clearly, he created something, right? Because here we are. But what we don't always realize is when he created it, he set it in a set of laws that we're not going to change. He set the laws in motion. So, so when it says God said, let there be a greater light to govern the day and a lesser light to, what that literally means, we're like, ooh, that's just cool poetic language. No, what it's saying is it's trying to describe the fact that God then put a big flaming ball of fire and gas in the sky. It's called the sun. That's the greater light. And he said, okay, and then there's going to be the planet and then the planet needs to spin so that they have day and night. Otherwise, the earth's going to burn up or be too cold. So he set it spinning, right? So I don't know if God spoke that one or if he's like, go, right? I kind of I like to see if he just kind of did that, you know, but I don't know. But I mean, he just go and, and it starts spinning and it's spinning exactly as it is. And he's like, no, that's not quite right. We need to tilt it, right? Because they need seasons. Wisconsin needs snow. Thank you, Lord, for that one, right? Right. And, and so this and then he tilts it just a little and then he gives it a push or he says, start moving 67,000 miles per hour. Remember, we talked about that last week. 67,000 miles per hour is how fast it's orbiting the sun. And he needs to do that. So we have a year. And, you say, and, he, and, he, and he tells the earth it can't be any faster than 365 and one fourth days. Really? That's what God said. It. That's what God said. And he sets the order from the very beginning So not only does he create out of nothing, he creates order from the very beginning when he sets it in motion. And so all the laws are there. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people will tell you that, you know, humans came up with math. That we created the equations, like that, you know, when we put them into textbooks, that we're the ones that printed them. Well, that's technically true. Yes, we printed those things out. Yes, we were the ones that thought them up. And they were like, "Hey, if we do this, E equals MC squared," you know, all that kind of stuff. Then we put all the equations out there. We kind of do that. And and a lot of people say, "Well, humans are the ones that invented math. Humans are the ones that came up with this logic. Humans are the ones that came up with the equations, all that stuff." It's only slightly true. It's only partly true. What really has happened, and I think a lot of us, if we deep down would really think about it, we understand that this is the case. The truth is that all we've done is we've just actually given words and discovered what God had already done. Right? Everything in a textbook, everything in a science book, it's not that we all of a sudden created it. It is that we finally have, we're catching up to God, is what it is. And we're not really catching up, right? Right? Catching up, right? And, and we're, we're figuring this out. And then we come up with this theory and we come up with this law and all this stuff. But those things, it's not that these things we're creating them. It's that they have always existed. God put them in motion from the very beginning. Genesis chapter one. All math, all logic, all science already existed. It's just that we're catching up and we're like, oh, oh. Light bulb, right? And God says, I know, isn't that Cool. Now, in, a, in about, you know, 2000 years, you're going to have YouTube and you're going to be able to play a video on Sunday morning that guesses your age because of the math that I set up in Genesis one. Right. But we're the ones that are finally catching up. And so this stuff is it's not like, you know, we came up. You, you guys know we came up with the law of gravity. Right. We created we, we sit. We think kind of that we created that. Well, the truth is, as we all know, gravity already existed. <laughs> We were already kind of stuck to the earth. Like it was all, we were already working. It wasn't that when we came up with the law of gravity that all of a sudden, oh, look, we have gravity. We don't have to float around anymore. Gravity was already there. We just came up with a word to describe it. We said, let's call it mm, gravity. Well, good. This stuff is already there. God is a God of order. Now, here's the question that we always have to answer. You guys know we always have to answer this at Northridge because if we, always just, if we just talk about who God is... And then he's a god of order, good deal. Woohoo! But we need to answer why is that even important? Why does it matter? Who cares? That God is a god of order. So he's a god of order, good. Good for him. Right? Why does it matter? Well, it matters a lot. Because God in his word asks us, commands us, calls us to be like who? To be like him. He says be holy as I am holy, be holy like I am. God does not say be God. He says, just try to be like me because God knows he's as good as it gets. And he knows that if we try to be like him, we will experience life the best that it will ever be. Psalm 119, 133 says this, it says, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. If you look at other translations of the Bible, sometimes they'll say, order my steps. God is a God of order. He wants to guide and direct us with the laws and the, and, the, and the influence and the power that he set up in Genesis chapter one, that power. He wants, to, he wants to have us be guided by that. He wants us to be guided by that. But the key is that just like that Psalm said, that was a prayer. God. Guide my steps. Order my life as you are holy. In other words, God, help me to be like you. That's really what that's saying. God, help me to be like you. It's saying it into a little bit more words, but God, help me to be like you. He wants us to do that, but God knows in order for us to experience the greatest freedom, the greatest joy that there ever has been in this world, in this life, we need boundaries. We have to operate within boundaries. We have to understand not only the laws of math and physics and science and all this kind of stuff, but we need to understand the spiritual laws, the spiritual boundaries that God has set up. He has a lot of instructions for us what to do and what not to do in this book. And God needs us to follow those for a very specific reason. For example, there's something out there called the Archer's Paradox. Now, some of you who are you like to hunt with bow and arrow, right? You probably, I'm guessing, Ryan. I don't know, maybe this is you. You hunt with a compound bow, right? It has a little notch out of it, right? Did you use a compound bow. When you hunt? Okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, yes, I do. That's simple. Of course, yes. All right. So, Ryan, so, and I, I know many of you are archers as well. You, you like to, you know, hunt with bow and arrow. And so, but it used to be that the longbow guys, right, they didn't have the notch out of the, it wasn't a compound bow. And so the bow and the arrow, the arrow would actually slide against the bow, right? And so you'd have to actually, whatever you were aiming at, you had to deal with this problem, this issue that the arrow slides against the bow. It's something called the Archer's paradox. OK? Now, the reason I bring that up is because this archer's paradox, I saw this video You guys are in for all kinds of videos today. It is just the way it is. So welcome to it. Sorry if you don't like videos. All right? But I came across this video, and it illustrates so well this, this paradox, this conundrum between God giving us incredible freedom, but within boundaries within certain things that we cannot change flexibility but with boundaries that we cannot go outside of and if we do there's problems okay watch this video you'll kind of understand what i'm saying archer's paradox
1: hey it's B destin welcome back to smarter every day so in one of the last episodes i introduced you to a legend with a longbow he's from my hometown and his name is byron ferguson he shot an aspirin out of the air in slow motion But there's something that happened in the arrow I didn't understand. It was deflecting, and this has something to do with what's called the archer's paradox. So what is the archer's paradox? What are the two things that an archer has to deconflict? My friend John explained it to me like this. Let's pretend that this pecan tree is the bow, and this is the line of our bowstring. If we take an arrow, and we put it into our bow, and we draw the bow back, and we're trying to hit that target over there, watch what happens. As we release the bowstring and it travels closer to the bow, look at that. The fact that the bow is sitting here in our way between us and the target causes the arrow to point off in a different direction. So how can we possibly hit that target when our arrow is pointed over there? This is the archer's paradox because we know they actually do hit art. So how does a longbow shooter get around this problem? Here's how. They don't have a completely rigid arrow like that. They have a bendable arrow like this. See when it vibrates, you can see these nodal points? That's important. Check this out, as we put this real arrow into the bow here and we shoot, as we go towards the bow, the fact that we're accelerating this arrow causes it to build up strain energy causing this big curvature. That curvature then snaps back in the other direction once it bends to a certain point and look what we have. We have the arrow bending around the bow. When we release, it does something cool. It snakes around the bow just like this and you're able to fly all the way to the target. So the archer's paradox is the fact that you have a bow in between you and the target and you're still able to get around the bow. The first thing that happens is the arrow bends from the pressure of the string and the front of the
2: arrow being against the riser of the bow. As it leaves the bow, and it's already clear of the bow, it bends in the opposite direction where those two cross determines where the arrow will fly, 100% of the time the arrow will fly to where these two points are crossed or pointed.
0: That was a cool view, by the way, (laughs) isn't it? It's just he set up uh, literally a a high speed camera behind a pane of glass. It's I don't know. There's a technical term for it. But that illustrates what God wants to do with our lives. Okay, you and I, we are the archer. Okay, we are the archer. God has allowed us to choose where to aim our lives. He's given us flexibility like the arrow. He's allowed us to have that flexibility, but there are certain parameters that we have to live within in order for this to work. Right? You can't just throw the arrow. You can't just point it anywhere you want, and and then eventually your life works out. It doesn't go that way. God allows us to make the choices. He allows us to make decisions for our life. He allows us to choose our career. He allows us to do all these different things. He allows us the freedom to do those things. But God allows us to do that only within boundaries, spiritual principles, laws, ways of living that he knows is going to be the best for us. So we have a choice. There is freedom, but only within certain boundaries like the arrow. Okay? It can flex. It can move. But every time, 100% of the time, just like the archer said, 100% of the time, wherever those nodal points are, in other words, wherever you're aiming, that's what you're going to hit. Well, the same is true with our lives. Wherever your life is aimed, whatever you consider to be the most important thing to you, that's where your life is going. And what God hopes and prays and longs for is that your arrow is pointed at him because he knows that's the focal point of our life. That's where it needs to be going. Let me give another version of this. If you look in the Bible, there's all kinds of laws. There's all kinds of things that God asks us to follow, right? You have the Ten Commandments. Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments before? All right. You have the Ten Commandments. You have all the statements from Jesus. You have all the the parables of Jesus that he tells us in, in order to give us an idea of what our boundaries need to be, how we need to live our lives, what we need to, you know, where we need to live in those parameters. But he has those boundaries for a good reason. It is not to control us. A lot of people, they're like, well, there's a lot of rules in here. And I, I just don't feel like I can follow them or that I need to follow all them. Like, are they really necessary? And God would say, yes, absolutely. The boundaries are absolutely necessary. Let me uh, give you uh, an illustration of this. Uh, I have a picture of the Langkawi Bridge, sky bridge in Malaysia. Look at that thing. How many of you would never go on that bridge, right? Yeah, there's a few of you. Okay, you admit it. That's good. See, for me, and for me, like, I see that picture. I literally wanted to buy a ticket as soon as I, like, found that picture. I'm like, oh, I want to go right now. And I want to run to that thing. And I want to just climb out there. And I just want to. And then, of course, I want to climb on the mountains that get you there. And it just, it's just awesome. But this, this is called the Lenkawi Sky Bridge in Malaysia. And, and so it's amazing. Look at the views Look at the look at the beauty. Look at the the ocean, kind of in the background. I mean, unbelievable parallel, uh, just incredible beauty, incredible joy, incredible excitement uh, to actually see this. Okay, whether or not you actually go on the bridge, that's okay. But but it's amazing. Now, but let me show you a closer up picture of the actual bridge. Okay, see, notice the railings. You see the railings there. Okay, they have railings all the way along that bridge. But notice that the railings. It's not like they built this huge uh chain-link fence cage over the top of the whole thing. If you wanted to, to try to experience it in a different way, you could leave the boundaries. They did not cage you in. Uh, even a child could climb over that. Okay? The boundaries are clearly there. The railings are clearly there. The, the, the form of this bridge is clearly set to say, don't go past this. Well, it's the same way with God. God has done the same thing for us. He's put up railings. He's given us an option to go against his laws. But if we do, just like if you kind of jump over this railing, it's not going to go well. It's just not going to go well. You're talking about you can experience the joys of life. You can experience this great view. You can do all these things, but really you can only experience it with great joy if you experience it within the boundaries. Okay? And so this is how God has set up our lives. He has given us boundaries to operate within for a very specific reason because he knows that our life has, it can be full of joy and freedom and great things, but only within certain boundaries. Because he knows that we will be destroyed if we get outside of that. Romans chapter 6, Apostle Paul is talking about Christians. He's talking about people who have accepted Christ. Listen to what he says about this, about the law and freedom and sin and all that. Uh, Starting with verse 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning, breaking the law? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So what this is saying is that the law has never been the problem. A lot of people will complain to me and they say, well, why does God's word say that I can't do this? What they're really asking, and they know they're really asking this, they're really asking, why can't I get away with that? And why they're really asking is because they like it a lot. Or maybe they're addicted to something and they haven't been able to defeat it. And so they want to get blessing from God while they jump over the railing. And God says, I am not going to bless you destroying your life. I'm not going to bless it and say, yep, cool, totally fine with it. And so we have these boundaries, these barriers. And it says, if you want to be slave to something, you will be slave to something. Did you realize that? That we are slaves to something. All of us, every one of us, we are slaves to something. We have chained ourselves to something or someone or a way, a pointing of life. We have chained ourselves to that. We are slaves to that. The question is, who are you slaves to? What are you a slave to? A lot of people are slaves to sin. A lot of people are slaves to sin. And it leads to what? It leads to death. Not just physical death, it leads to spiritual, eternal death, which literally translates to separation forever from God. This is a big deal that God is a God of order, He is not a God of chaos. In fact, uh, missionary E. Stanley Jones says this, and this is one of the most powerful quotes that you could ever, we should put this up on our walls. It's not a feel-good one, but man, it's a good one. That's what he said. He said, if you don't surrender to Christ, you surrender to chaos. You're either a slave to Jesus or you're a slave to chaos. That's what he's talking about there. There's a famous professor at MIT. Those guys are smart. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I literally, I've watched some of their stuff, like some professors from MIT, various different ones. I don't sit there and like search for classes, you know, at MIT. But every now and then, like a video come up on Facebook or this, that, and the other. And I came across this one actually years ago. And, uh, and I I've never thought that I'd necessarily be able to use it. Uh, but the, the guy's name is Walter Lewin. Walter Lewin. And he's, a, he's a, just a brilliant uh, physics guy. And he knows math and physics and science and conservation of energy. And uh, Walter Lewin, he wrote a book. And so when he wrote a book, he had retired. And so when he wrote this book, MIT actually asked Walter Lewin, Professor Lewin, to come back to MIT and give a special lecture to anybody that wanted to have his book signed, you know, wanted him to sign sign his book for him. And so they came back for the book signing, but they came back to hear, really, to hear his lecture because he was one of those amazing teachers, just amazing. And in this lecture, I I don't know if it was his very last lecture. it's one of his last for sure. Uh, It it might have been his last lecture. And in this lecture, he powerfully demonstrates with this illustration, uh, and, and he takes this heavy ball, and he's, what he's doing is he's illustrating the conservation of energy. He's, he's illustrating a law, a, a law of physics, a law of science that is unbreakable. Like you cannot break this law. And if you try to adjust the law, then it will be disastrous for you. Okay? And he takes this heavy ball and he puts it on this really long cable. And he's going to swing this like it's on a pendulum, right? like, like a clock. OK, and he's going to swing this heavy ball uh, across the, the, the thing and he shows them. He says, now, if you actually try to force this ball to go, if you push it and give it an accelerated shove, then the, the, the results are disastrous. And he has a pane of glass that's hanging way across the room and he gives this ball a little shove. He doesn't even push it very hard. He just gives it. I mean, it's just like this. Gives it a little shove and the ball swings up and it comes back up and it smashes the glass. But then Walter Lewin does something else that, you know, really is pretty amazing. He dramatically shows how you can make sure, as long as you stay within the boundaries, that you can trust the laws that God has set up. You want to watch him do this? I told you videos. (laughs) Let's watch Professor Lewin and show illustrate this. (laughs)
2: I'm going to take the place of the glass and I'm going to hold this object at my chin and I cannot move any further back, so there's no cheat here. I'm going to release it right from my chin here. You realize, as you have just seen, (laughs) that the slightest push And this will be my last lecture. (laughs) And no book signing afterwards. (laughs) So I need your collaboration. When I count down from three to zero, no noise, no coughing. And I would even appreciate it if for those three seconds you would not even breathe. And I have to tell you something, I couldn't sleep all night. (laughs) I'm going to close my eyes, I don't want to see it, and I'm going to count down from three to zero. Three, two, one, zero.
0: Pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing. Now here's the deal. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So what Professor Lewin did, the illustration is very simple. We've got a lot of people that could care less about God. And so they take the ball of their life, so to speak, in their own hands, And they say to God, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live like I want. I'm going to choose what I want. I'm going to go where I want. I'm going to marry who I want. I'm going to do what I darn well please. And then they give that ball a push. And then the ball comes back and destroys half of their life. And they wonder where the chaos came from. I've just told you, one of the true truest things that there are is that God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. Sin creates chaos. God creates order. If we try to control our life, if we just try to work harder at it, if we just try to do better, but we ignore the laws of God, it'll be like this illustration, like the proverbial ball of our life, it's going to come back and it's going to crush us and it's going to keep doing it until we figure it out. It's not that God is pushing the ball into our face. It is that we are pushing it into our own face and God says, stop. Stop destroying yourself. What are you doing? And God says, I put the railings there for a reason because I want you to experience incredible joy and peace. But the only way is within the boundaries of what I have set up. God is a God of order and he calls us to be able to live within that realm, within that boundary. So the question for all of us here today is very simple, isn't it? Have you committed your life to living within God's boundaries? I'm not saying that every now and then we're not going to push the ball and we're not going to break over that railing and we're not going to mess up. I'm not saying we're going to live perfectly. I'm I'm not either. The ball has smacked me in the face a few times. Believe me. And I regret it. But I'm asking you, have you given your life, have you committed your life to getting in with Jesus and being within those boundaries, being a slave to God rather than a slave to sin? In other words, have you submitted to Christ or have you submitted to chaos? If there's chaos in your life, it's not because God put it there. You realize that? If there's chaos in your life, it's not because God put it there. It's a result of sin. It might be somebody else's sin. It might be just the sin of the world. It might be your sin. But it's because of sin. Submit yourself to Christ. Give your life to Jesus and you will find incredible things as a result. But we got to live within that order. Let's pray. God, I thank you for being a God of order and not a God of chaos. God I know it's 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 easier to talk about love and it's easier to talk about you know your great power and it's easier to talk about it's easier to talk about a lot of other stuff to be honest but but God you have put the laws and the boundaries and the framework for us because we you know very well that if we go outside of that it will destroy us and you are a loving father do not want to see that
1: happen.
0: There's anybody here, I, I didn't even set it up and talk about this at all, but if there's anybody here who has never given their life to you and they've been wrestling with it, they've thought about it, whatever, I pray that they would give their life to you. They're not even going to know how to do it. That's okay. I pray that they would just, they'd start praying that they would just let you know that they want to give their life to you, Jesus. God, help them to be honest about it. Just, I pray that they would just hand over their life to you. If they've been pushing the ball, it's been slamming them in the face. God, I pray that you would help them to realize that you're the one that has set that in motion and that you can take care of it. They just need to get their hands off it. And you just need to release it instead of pushing it around. God, if there's anybody here and they give, give their life to you, Jesus, become a follower of Christ, become a Christian today. I pray that you do it. For the rest of us, if we're already followers of Christ, but man, we've, we've been pushing that ball around like crazy. We're just trying to make it happen on our own. And we know it's not going well. God, help us to let go. Help us to release our life. Give it to you. Help us to surrender to you, Jesus, rather than to chaos. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen i